Happy Saturday, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Hendersonville Show. We took a couple weeks off, but I'm excited to get back into the swing of things with some great episodes coming out over the next couple of months. Today's conversation is with Zach Schrock, a mental health professional here in Hendersonville. Zach specializes in addictions work, recovery, codependency, boundaries, men's issues, and also has the unique perspective of being former military. The goal of this conversation is to bring more awareness to the subject of mental health, something that in many ways is still viewed as taboo in our culture. I've known Zach for a couple years now, so forgive some of the sarcastic humor and rabbit hole rants about history, uh, a subject we're both passionate about, so we get a little bit off topic a few times. We also had some audio issues, so you may notice some parts skip around a little bit, but overall, I think you'll really enjoy this fascinating conversation with Zach Schrock. All right, Zach, welcome to the Hendersonville Show podcast. I, I have a question for you, and this is something we've talked about before, but why, why do men suck? Why, why, are men, why are men broken? And maybe that's, maybe that's the wrong phrasing of the question, but. Well, that uh, depends on which way you want to look at that question. But from the perspective that I'm taking it or receive that is men are broken in the sense that we no longer seem to deem it uh, acceptable or needed to process emotions in order to deal with our emotional side of ourselves, which usually causes to be for an unhealthy individual. So, so is, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but I'm, I'm curious, like how much of that from your perspective is like, is it cultural? Is it biological? I'm sure it's some element of both, but I mean, so as a father, I guess, let me put it this way. What, what would I do for my two boys to ensure that they have emotion and, you know, what does that look like? Well, it's not really so much how do they have emotion from my perspective. So with everything and with my training, my background, it's all biopsychosocial. So you always have to look at all three. So there's always the inherent, the genetics factors. Then you have to start looking at the home life and the psycho of that and the mental capacities and that kind of stuff. And then you have to start looking at the social. Well, the social is more of the emotional to this point from my past experience of what I've learned so far. And what I mean by that is that you're naturally, it seems that you're naturally born with emotion. A child is brought into this world and has emotion, whether they're with parents or without. So to some degree, and then you start uh, encouraging that and bring that along, which usually happens during early, early childhood. And then with the male culture, we tend to like to start breeding that out about the age five or six and try or not breeding it, excuse me, but trying to uh, uh, extinguish the behaviors. So that way they become more machine-like because how do you send a grown man to war or to go work in a factory 18 hours a day if they have feelings and are concerned about, you know, life? I mean, that, that makes sense. Um, you, you got to wonder like how much of that is intentional, like throughout history, mm -hmm. like, you know, was there, was there some like master scheme by the government to do this or was it, or was I, there I, one mastermind that, you know, just started a little movement? I, I, I tend to not think so. I think it was probably no. like, 
I mean, I think it was more the need of the time of, you know, you need to produce and you need to do this and you need to protect. And it, it you got to think a hundred years ago is a very different time compared to what it was now. Oh yeah. I mean, I, maybe men had to be, you know, emotionless robots back then. I mean, mm-hmm. to some extent, you to know, some extent, yes. You're going over the wall at uh, Verdun or something in World War One. <laughs> you, yeah. you, uh, you just got to take orders. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't imagine something you like can't that. Can't really check in with your emotions at that point. And go. Hmm, how am I feeling about this? Yes. So okay. So you're you're a counselor, obviously, and correct. And so you you primarily deal with men. Um, what? like what side effects do you see or what, what issues do you think it causes later in life having this lack of say emotion or empathy or, you know, fill in the blank. What, what are the downstream effects? Oh, and you're, you're talking across the board, anxiety, substance abuse, depression. I mean, it can lead to comorbidity where you just start adding multiples together and picking whichever combination you want. So as far as not dealing with your emotions, that's a, baseline or a bottom line for a lot of mental health and both men and women, especially men. So. And what, like, what do you think? So I'm sure a lot of men out there in the world are dealing with stuff like that. Probably like probably unknowingly, I I feel like Mm -hmm. most people just unknowingly deal with the stuff. They accept it as normal to, to some extent, like based on the severity, um, like, well, let me ask this quick question real quick. What's normal? I mean, that, that is a good question. Normal like, is whatever you experience and whatever, you, whatever you're used to happen a day in and day out. How, how would you define normal? Well, to me, I define normal as nothing but a setting on the dryer. There is no such thing as normal. Normal is nothing but what you make of it or how you perceive it. So maybe optimal would be a better word. You could use the word optimal if you like. There's, I mean... What is the word? The word is just reality. Yeah, that, that is a good point. I mean, so I, I guess what, what would you suggest for men out there or anyone who like suffers from, from this kind of stuff besides call you? <laughs> well, there's always call me, <laughs> but you know, I have very limited uh, room for that many people. Um, a lot of things is there's a lot of great books out there. I don't have them sitting in front of me right now but there's some books out there about emotional processing. There's not a lot about men and emotionally processing that I've read geared directly towards the gender. Um, I'm sure there's one out there. There's one, there's a book for everything. Um, see here. A lot of things is just really counseling is for mental health is just big for most all men at this point in time. If you, if you think of the amount of friends that you have that don't have some sort of traumatic event in their life or a suffer from some sort of anxiety, depression from a life event or just from life changes or just in this last 2020 or 2021. I don't know too many people that came out of that completely unscathed with their mental health. So I would say counseling in any form, whether it's the tech thing that you see on TV or you covenant said by somebody's couch would not be a bad idea for anybody at this point in time. Do you, do you think that, you know, there's always been a stigma around counseling. I feel like that's, um, that's going away a little bit. What, how has that been from your perspective? Um, I've been in counseling most of my own personal life and I'm 42 now. So I think I first started counseling when I was probably 16. 
Okay. So, and then you did not tell a soul. I would have been ostracized probably from the community at that point in time and, you know, the Midwest. And it was not talked about and you were not allowed to bring it up. And my bare parents barely spoke to me about it. And then throughout the last 30 years, I've seen quite a, or 25 ish years, I've seen a shift from almost, how we say it earlier, normalcy <laughs> yeah. or everybody's reality. So, and it's become a, not commonplace, but it's become a lot more acceptable. And even I'm seeing men that I wouldn't think you would typically see on my couch are starting to show up and sit on my couch and at least get an open mind to at least listen to what I'd have to say, or, you know, actually explore processing their emotions or dealing with their past events. So there's been a huge shift just even in the last couple of years. I, I wonder how much COVID has played a role in that. Like, so I guess shifting gears a second, like how, how is the past year? Like what, what have you seen as like the side effects of the past year and pandemic and lockdown oh. and unemployment, whatever it might be. Which, yeah. What, which angle would you like for me to take on this? Okay. I mean, there's a, there's any angle you want. All, all of the above, <clears throat> like what? Uh, I'm, the first I'm thought that curious. comes to what, my mind, just out of, just out, the first thing out of my mind is just think of the marketing money they threw at mental health just for COVID because they knew everybody were stuck at home. So with that, just with the money thrown at it by the government, that's going to cause a huge influx or not influx, but a transition or a movement to, you know, normalize or make mental health more socially acceptable. What What is that money? That, that This is new to me. There's like the grant money, the mental health, the billboards, the things that weren't there pre-2020. Are you noticing these things on TV or as you drive down the road? Not, not, I must be oblivious. I, I guess okay. I, I have, I have noticed like commercials for like better help and, you know, some of mm -hmm. those online counseling services. Um, there's some of that. And there's since the, since COVID outbroke, at least I've noticed, like there's been some government uh, commercials on TV about mental health and checking in on people. And there's billboards on, at least on 24 that I've seen interstate 24 you know, check on your friends and this kind of stuff. So obviously the government's having to throw some, or they're choosing to throw some sort of money at it. Gotcha. That makes sense. So I, obviously they're doing that. Like what, I mean, is there anything that, that you've seen firsthand is like possibly the biggest side effect of this past say 18 months? Um, is it more anxiety, anxiety, anxiety across the board? So, and I actually started my practice right before COVID started taking off. I, January of 2020 is when I opened my practice and, you know, it took off in March. Good timing. So yeah, it was fabulous. <laughs> Not fun at all. Um, but I survived and we made it through that in multiple ways. And uh, so, but I saw a huge influx of once everything opened up May, because it was everything, they shut everything down very beginning in March. March, April, and into May, most everything was closed down. And then May opened everything back up. And my, my, I went from two to three people a week to 25 people a week in two weeks. That's incredible. I mean, good, good for you, but also like sad for well, society as a catch whole. 22, but yeah. at least, it, but it was also beautiful in the fact that people were actually seeking to go get help and do something about it other than stay at home and continue because I mean, alcohol sales alone were up 2000% during that time, during those, during that quarter. So you've, you've mentioned that before and that that's mm -hmm. like, so 2000%, that's a 20 X. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, 
I, I looked this up a while back. I think the average American drinks like, like has four drinks a week. So 20 times mm, that. I think that might be a little soft. Well, so take that. You take, take four, multiply that by 20. You're getting 80. That's like 10 a day, yeah. 11 a day. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of booze. Are you sure yeah. it wasn't alcohol sales for like, you know, at home because bars were shut down. So you can't go out to bars. It was just, yeah, you couldn't go out to bars. You couldn't, it was just everything. And people were literally waking up at 10 a.m. and having margaritas. That's <laughs> so they're doing their Zoom call. I mean, hey, to each their own. There's a time and a place for that. So, <laughs> exactly. So, um, and I'm sure it has something to do with the bars closing, but still, it's still, it's still telling what's astronomical. Going on. Yeah. Do you, do you see that settling down a little bit? Not, not so much alcohol sales, but like some semblance of normalcy, the word I shouldn't say. Yeah. Well, uh, things going back to the way they were, they, they seem to flux that way for a minute and everybody gets more comfortable. And then as soon as everybody gets more comfortable, there seems to be a spike in COVID cases. And then the, there's the, the reinstallation of fear and then everybody freaks out again. And then numbers drop back down and it's been just this up and down roller coaster for about the last six months from my perspective. So is that, is that the anxiety you're seeing? Like people are afraid they're going to die of COVID or just just fear in general. Gotcha. So yeah, it's just whatever that individual is scared of. All right. This is going to be an off topic question, but so you're maybe not off topic, but so your background is military as well as mental health. And those generally speaking tend to be like <laughs> polar opposites, like water, oil and water. Yeah, exactly. So how, how has that been? Or I guess a more pointed question, do you find that to be more of a strength having like both of those backgrounds or is, I mean, does it give you better insight onto, to both sides, so to speak? Uh- I think it's, it, there's a lot of folds to this. First off, it gives me an insight to uh, that kind of mindset and that mentality of that much toxic masculinity, because, you know, that's what the old, old military was. And there's still semblances of that in it today, not quite as much as it was. Um, so I, I can, so just through that, I'm able to relate to different clients or different veterans, just because I can understand where their mindset is. And I no longer quite think that way of, <laughs> that their, their way that way of thinking so so it's a so i'm so i'm almost able to bridge a gap in order to try to get that that old hard hard head thinking away and try and move things over to more being able to emotionally process and deal with life and things like that i mean honestly i, I like that about you because you i don't know there's like the the stereotypical therapist who's just like mm-hmm. chill sitting on a couch like that, that's not you. You're, you're more, no. I, I wouldn't say you're intense, but re- like relatively speaking, you know, you're more, uh, you're, you're normal, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, there, there's another yeah. word I shouldn't use. Um, so on the, the best way I've come to put up with it or put it to date is I'm more of a conversationalist. So, mm-hmm. and I find that by being active in the conversation a little bit more, I can, we can usually, I I don't really lead the conversation. That's the wrong word, but I'm able to, to get, to find out more information and to make things move a little more naturally by jumping in the flow of things. So, and everybody has a different approach to things. So uh, as opposed to like, just straight up listening. 
there, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of therapists um, take more of the listening side and just, well, tell me how that makes you feel. I mean, I'm, you, you, have you met any counselors that ask, ask you those kind of items? <laughs> yeah. Or watch any movie that has a counselor in it. And that's, that's essentially what it is. I, I mean, I, I don't think I'd be able to answer that question. It's too open-ended. It it's like, how does that make you feel like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Where Good, I bad. I, like, I, it's, it's too Plus vague. minus. What emoji do I use for this? Yeah, exactly. There's too many emojis to choose from. <laughs> but to answer your question, the world of the military and the world of therapy are completely night and day ways of thinking and ways of processing and way of dealing with things. And I much prefer the latter method, but there is a place mm-hmm. for that toxic masculinity, going to war, Spartan culture, if you will. So there's a time and place for both, but the Spartan culture, there is a price to pay for that mindset. How would you define toxic masculinity? Well, uh, no, that's not <laughs> tricky at all, is it? So it's, it's that, it. well, it's, it's really toxic masculinity is that unhealth of pride. And, you know, I, how careful with my language do I need to be on your show? Not at all. I can believe it it's if that, people are offended. Okay. It's that swing and dick contest. And that's what <laughs> toxic masculinity is in a nutshell. But it, it's almost needed in the, in the military. To some degree it is. And, and law enforcement and sales. And there's, there's certain professions that you need to be aggressive and you need to be in that mindset. But there's a definite price to be paid for that, from my experience. That makes sense. I mean, it's good to see the military is definitely embracing mental health. Maybe not embracing. Maybe that's not the right word, but. Well, they're, but mean, they're not shunning it either. No. And, and you're no longer getting uh, released from duty or uh, separated from duty for, you know, having a mental health disorder. Yeah. Like shell shock is, I think is what they used to call it. And. Um, well, even 20 years ago, certain mental health disorders that aren't that severe, you'd be getting discharged because you were, you had a mental health disorder. It was not acceptable. That, I mean, that kind of baffles me. Do you know, do you know the history behind that? Like why, like you're literally killing people and watching people die in, well, in many you, cases. I'm, I was in the air force. So the air force is a very different world. Cause you're not face to face anywhere. You're more turning wrenches and pushing buttons. And I guess they probably really want to trust the mental health of whoever's pushing the button would be my guess. That makes sense. You don't really want to get somebody that's super anxious with the nuclear buttons in front of them. Did you have those buttons in front of you? No, okay. I was, I was, I was not say. even allowed in the same building as the button. I, I, so, I thought the president could only do that, but. I was just an aircraft mechanic. So, or actually I did a radar on the AWACS. Was, no, there's people probably still sitting in the bunkers and there's the two key missile systems and all that fun redundancy stuff. So There's, there's no way a single person can just push a button and. Yeah, there's no just one book. He he initiates it, but then it the that just sends the order out to release the goods. Gotcha. That makes sense. At least according to the movies in the History Channel. I don't know how accurate the movies are, but History Channel, I'll trust that. Yeah, I'm going with that. <laughs> S- speaking of history, if you could psychoanalyze any person in world history, who would it be? That's a tough one. That is, you actually stumped me with that one. There's so many. Just start rattling off names. We can talk about them. 
Einstein would probably be my first one. Really? Why yeah. is that? Just because I want to know how his brain works. I just want to know how he processes and how he thinks about things and how he, I just want to know how his brain moves along. That That's one I, I've never thought of. I always go to dark places like Hitler. Like what, what was up with that? That's him? where I first want to go. But then I'm like, I don't want to be in dark places. I want to go find out something really cool. But yeah, that's, you want to go Hitler. And then you're like, why do I want to sit there and listen to that crap? And then I was like, who would I want to hear? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Apparently, he was very charismatic and likable. So you'd probably come out of the conversation with some. Well, the question is, do you know now what you do? You know now before you when you're talking to him, or do you not know anything going into talk? I, someone like Hitler, and knowing. So was it like a Ted Bundy after Ted? But after you found out what Ted Bundy's done. I see. I I don't. I don't think you could go. Or is it you met Ted Bundy? Or do you run into Ted Bundy at the bar and you're just talking to Ted Bundy? Because he was also a super charismatic individual. Yeah, maybe it's the latter. Because if if you met Ted Bundy or Hitler, fill in the blank, and you knew what they had done, it'd be bad news for them. Good news for humanity. Well, but you'd still want to psychoanalyze them first. You you know, yeah, you want to know what makes it tick before whatever happens happens so i einstein who else was on your radar einstein alexander the great popped in there a couple times but that was kind of primed i watched a special on him late last week so <laughs> that's probably why he came up but that would be an interesting one he did quite a few things mother Teresa popped in there Those actually are my big ones. i asked my wife this question a couple of days ago and she said mother Teresa. that's awesome what, what do you know about alexander the great uh, he, he was a heck of a motivator and he could get things done. And I mean, wasn't he like 25 when he died? Yeah, he was 25 and had taken, had taken over most of that, the Mediterranean over. That is, that is insane. So, and you have to highly motivate some people and get people to, you know, really want to do stuff to do the things he did. He took over islands with building bridges and all that. Well, I don't know how much Alexander the great stuff you read or are up to speed on, but he did quite a few pretty big things pretty quickly. Yeah. I, I kind of know the name. I'm sort of oblivious to world history going back. I, I don't even know when he lived like this 500 BC, something like that. Would yeah, be, it, was, I guess. I, it was, it was BC. I don't, I don't a thousand BC or something like that. Okay. It's I want to say that. I'd have to Google back. it too. I don't, I don't remember the dates. I just remember the context of what he did and how he did things. You know what I mean? No, impressive individual, That's, nonetheless. Yes, I'll go with that. I don't remember all the dates. Fair enough. BC, that I do know. <laughs> I now I got to Google it real quick because now I would almost sound like complete fool. I, I uh, bet it was. I bet it was five hundred ish. People are probably listening to this. Like, no. What's wrong with these guys? Three fifty six. They they even know the exact day that he was. That's impressive. It is. 336 to 323. As far as famous psychologists, is there anyone that you identify with? Like Sigmund Freud is always the one that you hear about. Do you have a favorite? Uh, Mine would probably be, right now I'm really into Skinner. So Skinner was very much, uh, give me a treat, I'll change, give me enough treats, I'll change the world. He was more behavioralist than change of behaviors and extinguishing behaviors. And so BF Skinner, I'm looking him up. Yep. Pennsylvania guy. Major player back in the, what was it, 40s? 
yeah, 40s, he, 50s. He died in 1990. Um, yeah. So he was, he was around for, a while. for quite, quite a while. So uh, what was his, what was his thing again? Changing behaviors. He actually taught pigeons how to play ping pong. That is insane. Yeah. Is it on Just YouTube? By using are, there, are there videos yeah, of YouTube. this? Oh yeah. Black, okay. they're old black and white videos. And actually going back to uh, history and going specifically to war history, mm-hmm. they taught pigeons. They were working on teaching pigeons on how to guide bombs into like ships and stuff. And that was based off of Skinner's work. Guide, what do you like? They'd fly them and then drop them. They they would they'd have a little like really early TV camera on it, and they'd have black and white, and they would peck at the ship because it'd be the darker color, and it would reguide the. They were working on reguiding the bomb into the ship. It never quite worked out, but it was research they were doing back in World War Two. That is insane. So was this a a suicide mission for the pigeon? Oh, no. Yeah, it was. A, it was a one way trip for the poor pigeon. The U.S. Well, was okay guys, with pigeons. The Japanese had a little different mindset. What they, uh, they were? Oh, the Japanese had the pigeon? kamikazes. Oh, oh no, okay. I, yeah, they I, took it all, to the whole next step. Yeah. Well, I I think I mean speaking of mental health, they I heard I think they were drugging those people. Uh, I was always told Zaki. Were they doing more than that? I I don't remember if it was like opium or something, but like, I mean, how do you convince someone to fly a plane into a boat? I mean, we had 9-11, well, but... That, well, that would be a good psychoanalytic to whoever got them to do that. But you also got to look at the Japanese culture. So I don't know if it, if that's more just complete conviction or if that would be drugs because they are pretty convicted individuals. Yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely pros and cons to that. They were really loyal to the emperor. Well, um, they're a cult, uh, collectivist culture compared to the U.S. The U.S. is an individual and that's very 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 different that makes sense so you you kind of do your part for society for as family well. and the how and the community and the nation you are last on the totem pole or priority list i mean that's humility right there that that's mm-hmm. good to strive for um if you're a good guy yes if that's the way you want to live that's not my not how i operate yeah fair <laughs> enough fair enough I, do you want to, I mean, that's really all I had. Do you have any closing words, comments, asks of society as a whole? Yeah. Don't be scared to reach out for help for mental health. There's plenty of people out there nowadays willing to help in a lot of different capacities, anything from your local churches. And if you're not a believer, then you can go to like in the Nashville area, you have Centerstone and several other mental health providers for Whatever your needs are, there's psychology today or has everything else. Just GTS, one of my favorite acronyms. Google that shit and I'm sure you can find something that can help you out. Even online options now as well. There's online options. There's phone options. There's every option under the sun as far as I'm aware. And so for, for clarification, your, your practice is here in Hendersonville, um, what, what's the name of the street again? You're right off Main Street over by uh, I'm on, Black Eyed Peas. I'm on Hazel Path. I'm over in the Hazel Path office district of Hendersonville. Excellent. So I'll, I'll put your contact information in the show notes. One, one final question I'd like to ask guests. If you could be, say, king of Hendersonville or the world for a day and you had one decree, what what would that be? If you could change one thing about society as a whole, what would that look like? 
probably right now I'd make everybody stop at like noon on the roads and just tug it out because there's so much hate on the roads right now. Something's got to change with that. Because every time I freaking drive down Main Street in Hendersonville, somebody's yelling at somebody. Are you serious? So I, I would, work from home, so I don't I don't get to experience this beautiful nonsense. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of road rage going on right now. And a lot of people just driving like they don't care anymore. So Hendersonville's growing. Traffic it is, is, is on the rise. To capacity and it's it's getting tough out there. So just love your neighbor. You know how it goes. Yeah. We don't be in such a hurry. Leave your house five minutes early. Leave a few minutes early. You'll be, and everybody will be just fine. Exactly. Awesome, yeah. Zach. Hey, well, maybe 10. It'll be okay. <laughs> Zach, thank you for your time today. Um, you bet. Hope you have a great weekend. I appreciate it. I hope the same to you. And I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to this week's episode of the Hendersonville Show. And thank you to Zach Schrock for joining me in this awesome conversation. Now, before we go, I'd like to leave you with a quote from the psychologist B.F. Skinner. When you run into something interesting, drop everything else and study it. And on that note, everyone have a great week. We'll be back here in another week or two with another awesome episode. Take care, everyone. 